Glad to be with you on this All Radius Sunday, uh, 10, 12 times a year. We do this. We get together via video and kind of connect all six of our churches. So kind of a fun day for us. It's different. I know looking at the screen, but here we are, all of Radius together, and we really want us to be on the same page on these particular Sundays. So thanks for being a part of this. I uh, have a bunch of notes here. Certainly want to explain this word that we're going to uh, say over and over in the coming weeks, and yet uh, really feel God pressuring me to, to really challenge you today as directly as I possibly can. When you hear the word resilience, it means to bounce back, right? Uh, uh, maybe a better definition would be able to withstand or recover quickly from difficult conditions, which is a great word for us to be using right now as, as the world is adjusting to COVID a bit and we're still trying to figure it out after months and months of really uh, difficulty. Some of us have had difficulty financially and it's been fun as a church to help one another through those times. Certainly something I've seen this week, which makes me a little heavy as I, as I come to this talk, is it's been difficult on our families. COVID certainly exposed some weaknesses in our families and perhaps exposed in some of our lives a lack of desire to carry out God's mission on this planet. I, I uh, just saw the title of John Piper's book the other day and I just want to say it out loud to you because it convicted me and Cheryl, and we talked about it at length. <laughs> the title of his book is Don't Waste Your Life. We sat in our bed the other night and uh, just walked back through the years a little bit, Cheryl and I, from when we were really young and uh, didn't know a whole lot and had dedicated to one another that we would not waste our life that we would not begin to pursue all the things that seemed to be offered here, but that we would focus on Jesus and focus on him all the way to the end. I remember even before we got married, I was selling Cheryl on this. I was trying to tell her that we would always be poor, that we weren't going to ever have anything, that we were not going to waste our life. And yet, man, it seems like every decade, she and I, in one way or another, we're tempted to focus on something other than pleasing God. But I don't have anything to do with me being ministry. It has everything to do with me being a child of God and being given this great gift of the Holy Spirit. And I just don't want to waste it. It's a great quote out of Piper's book. So man, if you... If you're sitting here today and you came to church maybe for the first time, you look at a screen, this dude that you don't even know, maybe you don't even know Jesus. Me and a lot of the people in the room you're sitting in, and we met Jesus and, and we know that he lived and he died and we believe that he rose from the grave and it's changed us. Every, everyone in here that knows him truly can can tell you the story of how it's changed us. And so as you listen to this and you watch this group of people, I hope that you get to experience the same life that I have. 
I know so well deep inside of me who he is that it scares me that I could allow the stuff on this planet to dissuade me from living for him with all I got. Here's what Piper says. I'm wired by nature to love the same toys that the world loves. I start to fit in. I start to love what others love. I start to call earth home. Before you know it, I'm calling luxuries needs and using my money just the way unbelievers do. I begin to forget the war. I don't think much about people perishing. Missions and unreached people drop out of my mind. I stop dreaming about the triumphs of grace. I sink into secular mindset that looks first at what man can do and not what God can do. It is a terrible sickness, and I thank God for those who have forced me again and again toward, wartime, toward a wartime mindset. And I'm thankful for you and for some of the friends that I have here at Radius and the way we bounce off of one another ideas and live in front of each other in community. And it reminds me that this is not my home, that my home is as a part of the family of God as one redeemed by Jesus. And so if you know Jesus, you're my brother or, or my sister. We're connected and we call him our king and we function in his kingdom. And we're looking forward to a day when we'll be fully with him. And until then, man, we want to live on this planet as ambassadors in an embassy of God. Right inside, like that's one of the reasons why we gather together like this on Sunday. We get together to remind us a little bit of heaven. <laughs> I know you can look around the room. You go, there's a jacked up dude over there. There's a jacked up lady over there. There's all kind of problems in this room. Yet here we are in a room redeemed by Jesus. Many of us saved and indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And as we sing these songs and listen to this message and potentially... the living God would move in our building and give us a little taste of the heaven that we're waiting to be a part of. So when we use the word resilient, when we talk about the church lasting, there's no doubt that it's going to last, but there's some questions whether you'll last or I'll last, whether you or I will finish well. In Matthew, he says that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. It's not going away. The church has been through all kinds of ups and downs throughout history, and she has not gone away. She's resilient. She bounces back time and time again. The question is, will you and I, will we bounce back again right now? Some of us in trouble spiritually. Will you make a decision today listening just to these simple words out of a simple guy's mouth to not waste your life, but to truly follow Jesus with this next year. This is an amazing passage. Russell over at uh, Radius Lexington picked this passage to kind of introduce the Resilient Series. Over the coming weeks, we'll talk uh, we'll, we'll tell stories about people in the Bible that were resilient. Next week, we start the book of Esther, and we just get to watch her in an amazing resilience as she represents God in a chaotic time. You get to hear all variety of folks over the course of the summer. We're just going to keep beating this drum of bouncing back.
continuing in essence to follow him, getting back up off the mat and continuing this walk, as Piper says, this battle for the souls of our neighbors, for the joy that was put in our hearts by, by Jesus. We do not want to give it over to the enemy. Let me read you these, these great verses. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In verse six and seven, for God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. You talk about some authority when there's nothing and nothing but darkness in Genesis, God says, let there be light and there's light in the darkness. <laughs> and the writer Paul is proclaiming that same light potentially lives within you if you believe in Jesus. Check out the next verse. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. And we're just one church among many. But Radius Church, we do not believe that we have the answers. The, the leaders here at Radius, we don't believe we have the answers. We are dependent on God to lead us and guide us, protect us, and inspire us. We, we, got the, uh, we have directional elders here at Radius and shepherding elders. Shepherding elders take care of each individual campus. Directional elders lead the entire uh, Radius Church. And we got together the other night and spent extended time in prayer. Many of you were prayed for by name in, in little tiny groups. And uh, we pray for our children that potentially you and I would be faithful with the good news that Jesus trusted to us and pass it on to our children so that in 2050, 29 years from now, my grandkids will be carrying the baton. I don't know if I'll be around any longer, but potentially we could pass this thing along to our kids and our grandkids so that the baton of Jesus Christ would be, would be passed on. Right here, Lexington, Saluda, Irmo, over there in Red Bank, downtown at Southside. The good news would continue and be resilient right here because we were responsible with it. He's given us this crazy authority, his light through the cross of Jesus that's inside of these jars of clay. Jen Scott is the wife of Seth Scott. Seth Scott is a new directional elder here at Radius. And Jen, she is, I had to ask this, I'm not exactly an artist. She is a potter. So she makes pottery. She makes really nice pottery. She's, I've heard about the process I'm really hesitant to try to explain the process. But she, with her hand, she takes clay and probably some other substances I don't know about and, and makes these beautiful but fragile and in many ways simple obje objects, these jars of clay. <laughs> and, and Paul trying to give us an understanding of who we are. I mean, the jars of clay, all of her pottery, it all looks different. It's different colors. Some of it's beautiful. Some of it's simple. As a matter of fact, you go over to Walmart and you can go outside and see some of their pottery, which is really simple, and they'll leave it out there. Ain't nobody going to steal it. It's just that simple. There's this, all this variety 
of jars of clay, of earthen vessels. And uh, they really are so easy to break. They fall to the ground. They break into a thousand pieces. Some of them are a little more sturdy than others. But this particular passage, it just takes us and it uses, when we talk about us, Paul calls us earthen vessels, simple, (laughs) nothing real special. And yet God says, we now have this light shining in our hearts. So potentially you and me could multiply this light shining in our hearts. In reality, the mission of God has nothing to do with you, right? It's, it's all, all about what he's done inside of you. So it's, it's about who's inside of you, the Holy Spirit. It's about the work of Jesus, of who did the work, of Jesus Christ, his redeeming work on the cross. It's about God the Father's deep love for you, which transforms you, which makes you have to say something eventually. And then it becomes you times two. The chapter opens up. It's, it's, it's an amazing chapter. It, it makes me want to pound my chest. I, I don't think I've read this enough in my lifetime. Let me just read you the first two verses. Therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. Because of what's been done inside of us, we never give up. We're resilient. We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God and all who are honest know this because it's the truth and it comes out and folks, whether they know Jesus or not, if they're honest, they know that that's the truth. That's why we don't wrap our Bible in the American flag. For goodness sakes, it's just a country. Been here a couple hundred years, got a great history, but that's not what the Bible is about. Bible was here way before the Bible has much more authority than the Constitution. That's why we, we uh, can have great conversations about race as Christians, but the Bible's not all about race relationships. You can't make every chapter about race. You can't, you can't manipulate people with this book to give money uh, by saying, hey, if you give money, you'll get money back. You, that's, this book can't be abused like that. You can't redefine marriage. You can't make it up and twist the different passages so that we blow up the foundation of God's definition of marriage. He says, hey, this is what we do. And this is what the church, he's not talking about radius. He's talking about the church. He's talking about those that are preaching in his day. We'll never give up. We're not going to manipulate with this book. We're just simply going to put the truth out there. And we trust that as the truth goes out and as the spirit works within the church, she'll be resilient. She has been for 2,000 years. The verses after the jars of clay uh, passage say this, we are pressed on every side by troubles. Anybody relate with that verse? I know some of you are. Too many stories this week of families being pressed on every side by troubles. And I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Sometimes you wish as a leader you just had a bunch of answers and you don't. But this I do know. The pastor says, but we are not crushed. Based on our little earthen vessel and our pride and our ability to stand up, be strong. No, no. 
based on that light that's shining within our hearts, the work that Jesus has done inside of us. We're not, we are perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. A little while ago, we asked all the partner at Radius to just rate after COVID what, what their biggest needs are. And there was, there was just a ton of comments about stress and depression, <laughs> perplexion, right? Like it's uh, uh, families and individuals just feeling the weight of the chaos of the last 12, 15 months. Some folks have been saying that year is like three years. We've all felt it one way or another. Many of us have had stuff exposed that, I don't know, we were able to hide when hustle was just happening. Uh, Maymester starts on Wednesday. We're going to pray uh, on the last night of Maymester on the 19th, which is an appropriate response to despair because we, we together in a room call out on the living God and together in a room, there's this power that it's really infinite as that light shines within these earthen vessels as we gather on the 19th and two nights before that, we got a couple folks coming in that are just going to teach, uh, teach us, guide us on how to deal with stress in some real practical ways. Something you want to check out, 5th, 12th, and 19th. But what we believe at the deepest level is that the living God, he helps us when everything else feels like it's in. He helps us be resilient. He enables us to bounce back to withstand or recover quickly from really difficult situations. Check out the other verses. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. These crazy phones in my kids and your kids' pockets and our pockets. It seems as if, man, every, in every way, the enemy is hunting after our kids' hearts, exposing them to all kinds of stuff that some of us that are older never had to deal with them when they're young. It's just this intense fight and hunt to the destruction of mankind. And yet, as a believer in Jesus, because of that light within, he says, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. It's, it's literally like we're walking out into a, a dead world with this life that Jesus had trusted us with because he died and defeated death. And so you and I get to walk out into it, carrying this banner of life, offering it to our neighbors by the who we are. When I was a kid, I went with my dad to his job. He was the plant manager of Owens Corning Fiberglass, a couple thousand employees, so it was, it was a pretty important pretty high responsibility job. My mama, God, I don't think I was 10. She made me put on a tie. You remember when you first did your first tie, you had to button that. I didn't feel like I could even breathe, but I thought I probably looked pretty good. Tucked my shirt in and I showed up on the job with my dad. So we went into his office. He had, it seemed like this massive desk. I don't know, it's just the way a kid thought. He had a bathroom in his office, which I thought was really cool. There was a secretary. There was a variety of staff all connected to his office. And man, they retreated me well. They come shake my hand and I have to shake hard like my dad had taught me and look them in the eye like I was trained to do. And they just gave me this ridiculous amount of respect. Why did they give me that respect? Because of me? Because of who I am? Nah, because of my last name. Because of 
because of my old man, because of my connection. It was what he did. It was was because of who he is. And as I I look just like my dad, except I got a little more hair, it's because I looked like him. I was connected to him. I was his son that they gave me respect. It was cool. We, uh, they made these glass marbles. So as a kid, that was my favorite part of the whole tour. He took me out to see the glass marbles, and it's really hot, a difficult place to work, some pretty tough guys out there. It was crazy. They would come over and shake my hand and then shake my dad's hand. They had, they had harder hands, but they would look me in the eye, I'd look them in the eye, and I, I had their respect. It's crazy. I, I had never worked hard in my life other than cleaning around the house at that point. And, and they respected me. Why? Because of who I am? No, nah, because of who he was. So you and I, when we read this passage, there's this potential that we walk out into the world connected with the living God, looking like Jesus. There's this possibility that God would bless us with opportunities to take truths that he's embedded in us and give them the way to others and share this good life that's inside of us. Oh, this is a battle. It's not like this walk in the park. It takes resilience. You're going to get knocked down. You're going to have to get back up. You're going to have to go do it again. You're going to have to be reminded by spending time with the Father whose you are. These verses wrap up with, man, this this great line that has always been here. I don't know if I just have read it in this translation, but it, it, it was amazing to read. But we continue, Paul's talking about he and others, to preach because we have the same kind of faith that the psalmist had when he said, check out this line, I believed in God, so I spoke. What a great line. I believed in God, so I spoke. In that same little season of life, I went away every summer to a little camp. This summer, there's a radius camp. Matter of fact, if you haven't signed up, one of the, was the favorite time of the year was for me to go away to this Christian camp. Parents, summertime is a great time for your kids to reset. So getting them exposed to the Word of God or in a place where the Word of God is taught is a great idea. Radius Camp is 6th through 12th grade. And uh, if you want to go, it's, it's, it's the week of July 4th. You can look it up on the website or holler at your campus pastor. They'll get you signed up. But for me, I went to this little same camp every year. And this older man was teaching uh, from, from up front, and I was simply a young boy in the back listening. I think I was 12. And there was just this moment where God dealt with me. I don't know how else to explain it. It was a powerful moment. I wish you could have one today. I wish I could make that happen. God in his grace dealt with that little 12-year-old boy that particular day, and I felt his presence I enjoyed his presence. I wanted more of his presence. I wanted to know what he wanted me to do. It was a special day in my life. Even to today, I look back on that moment where I believed in God. I I was already saved. I, I, I was saved earlier, but there was this level of belief I had to speak up. I had to say something, so I spoke. I spoke in my camp. Like I talked to other kids at camp. It just, there was this freedom that came because of the knowledge of who he is that I I had to make this thing move. And it was a wonderful gift. 53 years old. So what is that? 
41 years ago, that moment at camp still rings in my mind and it, it holds me accountable to what God can do in this simple earthen vessel, this jar of clay. And it reminds me to be, to be resilient, to continually bounce back and to expect that God would use me on this planet. That, that goes for the youngest to the oldest. I just got to say it again. Don't waste your life. And if you're young, the rest of us are a little jealous of you because you got this life. Hopefully you got this long life in front of you. Don't waste it. Produce fruit. Make, make stuff happen on this planet that is, brings glory to God. That's an investment for all eternity. But even if those of us that are older, some of you might be cons- considerably older than me, there's still time. Don't waste that portion of life and focus it all on this little jar of clay that you got. Instead, begin to focus on that light that's within, within you. Begin to, to fan into a flame, that, that flame that's in there producing light and see what it can do in this world. Last two verses. We know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus, will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. The end's coming. We're going to face the king. All this for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. There's this amazing gift that you and I've been given because this isn't about you, right? It's about that light within you. It's about the person within you, the Holy Spirit. It's about the gift of the body of Christ on the cross that we celebrate every Sunday that was broken for your forgiveness. It's about God the Father's love for your soul. Not really about you. It's about that life inside of you and that life as as we read this must be multiplied. It's gotta be given away to somebody else. And as we give it away in our communities, guess what happens? There's a lot of joy for us. Our neighbors and friends who believe are given the greatest gift any man could ever give. And this says that our God, the King, receives glory. Let me ask you again. Man, let's get back up off the mat. Let's be resilient. Let's let's not waste our lives, but finish well for the King. Man, 10 years into marriage, I don't remember what year it was. Uh, We were in some trouble. Cheryl and I had gone through a season where we kind of fallen asleep a little bit in our relationship with Jesus. I see a lot of families that have done this through this last year of COVID. Uh, But we had, we had a bunch of kids, right? Six, Cheryl really was trying to be happy and so she wanted a seventh. Some of y'all are like, what? Yeah, that's what I said. What? We didn't have, like, suburban only sits six. And we had this conflict that was there. It's really connected to Cheryl trying to be happy by having another child. And I had this selfishness that was growing and stubbornness that was growing inside of me. And boy, we just, we just went head to head for weeks on end. Didn't really get loud a lot, but you could feel this divide creeping into our marriage. And 
there toward the end of that divide, it, it felt wider and wider and like, this thing is, this thing could be in trouble for the first time. I've told this story before, but I, I want to tell you it again because there's nothing like marriage to, uh, to discuss when it comes to a word like resilient, which would mean to bounce back, to, to uh, revive what was there in the past. I still, by the grace of God, recall this moment where he just confronted me by my selfishness and about I don't know what it was, man. Cheryl just seemed like she was being so emotional and I, I was frustrated. It just seemed like she was making me so unhappy. And it was like this moment where God met me on my front porch. I can remember it like it's yesterday. And it was almost as if he was saying, hey, bro, this ain't about you being happy. This is about my glory. And I designed marriage. And you said you were going to love her for your entire life. And that's my expectation. So get back in there. I, I literally on the front porch had this, I don't know how long I was there, 15, 30, 45. I don't know how long I was on the front porch, just where I felt confronted by God. And again, by his grace, I repented. I told him I'm sorry. And I turned around, went right back into the house. And it wasn't all solved in a moment, but it was just this moment to be resilient, not to run away, but to get back in there and evaluate who I was. It was this Really cool conversation that Cheryl and I had before I came today. We were talking about resilience. And she said the two things that she thinks are connected to resilience. For her, her identity has to be in Jesus. You can talk to her sometime if you want. She's always throughout her life has questioned who she is. And when she can slow down and find her identity in Jesus, it just gives her the energy to be resilient and get back up. During this same season, she started, she joined this small group and these ladies were wonderful to her and they walked through the Bible and it encouraged her. And, and she, she began to believe again that this light inside of her was more important than that jar of clay that she was made of. And so her identity went back to Jesus. And then what she said second, which I, I hope you can hear, she said, you know, when, when I finally remember who I am in Jesus, I can look in the mirror and tell the truth to myself about myself. She's got one of the mirrors. See, like, I don't have much to work with here. She got one of the mirrors that like extra magnifies all, all, all of what's going on in your face. And what's, what's really amazing when you are comfortable with the work that Jesus has done as your heart, you're willing to look at the details about who you are. And when we're the healthiest, that's who we are, which makes it a whole lot easier to get to the finish line. Some of you today have some stuff that if you just look in the mirror and deal with your business, your marriage would come right back together just because you, you did it and your spouse did it. Others of you got much deeper holes to dig out of, but it starts by telling yourself the truth and connecting with the living God and understand your identities with him. Man, so we begin the resilience series, hopefully over the course of this summer, it'll inspire you and encourage you to work on you by focusing on the one who's inside of you. Jesus, we celebrate your death on the cross. We recognize that you by your sacrifice paid for our sins and forgave us 
and that we are made righteous and we're accepted by your Father. Thank you. Thank you for making this broken jar of clay capable of housing the Holy Spirit, of having the light within me because of the way you cleaned me at the cross. Even as we take bread and juice now, Lord, we celebrate your sacrifice so that we can enjoy so much life inside of us. All of us that know you here in the room, Lord, you know where we are exactly. You know if we're in trouble or not. You know if we're waffling and just barely staying up right now. We pray you'd help us get to the finish line, that we would finish. You'd help us be resilient. We trust you with that. Thank you, Father, for loving us so much that uh, you would pay such a, a crazy price for me and the rest of my family here. We don't want to waste our lives. Pray that you would energize the spirit inside of us and press us into the coming weeks to please you. And really, Lord, we, you know us. We enjoy life a whole lot more when we're aligned with you. We trust you now in the great name of Jesus. Amen.